Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Let's Commiserate. I'm Sam. And I'm Dave. And we have a lot to talk about this week. It's, uh, ooh, what can, it's been a week. It's been a week. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> it's been a week. You know? Yeah. So, I have to tell another story. Well, started. Let, let's begin the commiseration. Okay. So, we went to the beach with a group on Sunday, I think it was. And okay, now I'm just going to stop here right there. What? Overall, overall, it was a good beach day. It was a beautiful it day. It was a good beach day. Um, for being the East Coast, for being New Jersey, it was a very nice beach. It was perfect weather. We didn't have to pay anything to get in, so that was nice. Initially. We uh, got there early enough to see the sunrise, which oh, gorgeous. meant leaving uh, at 4.30 a.m. <laughs> I will say, I will say it was worth it. However, at some point later in the day, my stupid self, I mean, I feel like there's a recurring pattern here of me making bad decisions near the ocean, but I, um, I sprayed sunscreen directly in my eye. Like, you know, accidentally, not purposefully, like I'm not stupid. Um, or well, maybe, maybe that's somehow even worse. Sorry. Just the, the one, the one scene in uh, Monsters, Inc., where uh, Mike Wazowski sprays himself in the eye with oh, that's sanitizer. Right. That, it, it does come to mind. That's I know right. you didn't mean it. It was... It was an honest mistake. The bravery. Um, but as soon as it happened, and this is like the same sunscreen that I used before, but I could not open either of my eyes without them feeling like they were on literal fire. And so, and this was toward the end of the day. I took like a 20 minute nap, closed my eyes the entire time, still could not open them without it feeling like they were on fire. I felt like my right eye was bubbling. It was weird. Like it was heating up. Odd, an odd feeling, I'm sure. It was horrible. And uh, thankfully, I would not wish that on my worst enemy. But it spurred on like all these other reactions. Like I got a splitting headache. Uh, my nose would not stop running. Uh, tears were flowing out of my eyes, not because of sadness. Well, maybe there was a little bit of sadness because of the I reactions. know I was sad because my beach date ended early. <laughs> it was. I don't. I take full responsibility. Um, but it was, and we tried like putting teardrops in it, but it was somehow making it worse. Thankfully, we were with two people who work in the optical field. They do. So they were able to provide some assistance, but still it was to the point where we just had to leave. And, uh, I remember taking a selfie and sending it to my family of just like the tears going down. My, my face is completely red. My right eye is swollen. And like, what was the caption? I said, I just finally finished the Titanic rewatch. No, I said, nope, not sad. Just having the worst allergic reaction of my life. Um, and was it the salt water? Was it the the sunscreen? A sunscreen? I, I think was it both. It could have been the sunscreen and then the combination of the salt water on top of that. It's just not my friend. It was horrible. Um, thankfully, which I do have to admit, uh, I, I looked at the beach and, and looking around, I didn't see anyone else having any form no. of allergic reaction. At all. No, everyone else was having a grand old time. And I just looked at our immediate group and I said, yeah, we have to leave like right now. I thought that getting out of the sunlight would help, but getting in the car with the AC like blasting in my face somehow seemed to make it worse. I don't know. Whatever the case, 
we got home, uh, we made dinner with our group, watched some Clone Wars, ironically, and uh, I took some Benadryl and knocked right out for well over eight hours. So it was like the beach day to close out the summer, but it it, it came at a cost. It you know it was it was the last day of summer. It was um, the, you know it was just before Labor Day. It was you know emphatic, emphatically 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 yeah and completely like the ultimate final beach day of summer. Like yeah. the weather was perfect, the beach was perfect, the sand was perfect, the waves were kind of hit or miss depending on when you hit the tide, like. It was a nice kind of closer for 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 the season, but then it was just a two. Hour but then it just was absolute misery. And, yeah, and yeah, I did. I did feel bad because it seems to always be something. You but know, what's hey, better? Hey, that just the the moral of the story is it's always something. What better way to close out the summer? And what better way to close out today than with Ahsoka episode four, Fallen Jedi. Boy, is there a lot to unpack. There's, there's a lot here, and I'm glad, I'm glad, uh, honestly, to move on from that horrific memory of the beach. Um, to this, she <laughs> needed some support. Um, okay. This is a good episode. Uh, it started in the middle of their struggle, and I'm sorry, I, you know, let's face it, I do enjoy being the "I told you so" person. Did I not say last episode that Hera was going to ignore the orders of the senators okay. and Mon Mothma and okay. go on the search and rescue mission anyway. Did I not say it? Okay, to be completely honest, you may have said it. I, I did not remember it. Please check out episode yeah. three. Your Honor, Your Honor, the prosecution rests. So, of course, Hera is going to go on this mission to, you know, track down Thrawn or you know, whatever her specific idea was. Okay. And and unfortunately, that's kind of all she's relegated to in this episode. I think her son Jason only has a couple of lines, which we'll, which we'll get to later. But being that... We'll get to that. Most definitely talk about that. We'll get to that. that was a point of contention. Um, uh, there's so much here. There's so there, much there's here. There's so much here. We begin. So, okay, Ahsoka, Ahsoka and Sabine, they arrive okay, on Cedos. So they they finally have to land, and they start trying, attempting to repair the telecommunications back to, um, back to whoever. So, Hu Yang heads outside the ship. He starts repairing the communications. I believe uh, Ahsoka and Sabine have a conversation here. And Sabine starts getting a little bit frantic about trying to set up her equipment. And she starts, like, putting back on her Mandalorian armor. Um, I'm going to geek out here. I know. She, she starts reloading her, her, her West Star Blaster, which is a standard Mandalorian. And I believe, if I remember correctly, I have to check. Um, it's the West Star 34-35 Blaster Pistol. And it's got this front, this front side reload, which we've never seen in any of the animated series, which I'm really excited about. Um, which, uh, uh, can't even get the words out, man. The geek, here. So Sabine starts trying to reload. She's like frantically starting to search her bag. Osoka walks up and is like, "Hey, here's the piece that you're missing." Just. Calm, calm down, down take calm a minute, down, take, no, a breath take a breath. And Sabine's like, thanks. I'm good. Let's go. Um, it's just kind of a cool little, like, like we've never seen this before. Um, 
And on a weird little side note, I feel like the blaster pistols in this episode are oddly rounded compared to the the Clone Wars animated series counterparts, which are extremely square. That was totally the first thing I noticed. In shape, obviously, One because that's best. what you noticed. You freak. That is absolutely what I Okay, noticed. so then... <laughs> Sorry. I have to... There's this nice scene with Hu Yang, who starts repairing the ship. He starts getting it, like, fixed and everything. And then he's... Oh, and then he's attacked. Attacked. Mm-hmm. By... Seemingly, silently, by one of the uh, the droid uh, the robots. And there's this really cool little hand-to-hand combat fight scene between the two. Hu Yang tries to call... For help, but he's muffled, which I'm still a little confused about how you can how, can how you can muffle a, 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 an electronic speaker. Like how can a droid squint okay. as well? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he had to like squint into the fe- the forest, and he was trying to find yeah. like the attackers. So a lot of things that were easy to nitpick. There were a few little anyway. anyway, anyway. One thing that uh, we accept and we love it. One thing that slightly bugged me was they were trying to communicate with Hera and Sabine kept saying, this is fulcrum. So why are they still using fulcrum, which was like the code name that they would use throughout Rebels uh, to get... Uh, that's okay. I'm sorry. That's a pretty cool code name. It's a, it's an awesome code name. I kind of want to make my Instagram username fulcrum, but fulcrum is meant to be like, you know, a secret. I'm sorry. Code name? It was cool before. Yes. Now it's so why? I mean, like, I I don't get why. I think fulcrum is more just like a callback to. Can you just like 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 pause it here? Cut it. Press play and mute it. I would like to have it in the background because I feel like it's going to take us long enough to get through it. Pause it here. Press press, mute it. Press play. My God. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Are you sure you don't want to just pause it? Absolutely. Um. I have. All right, picking back up. Fulcrum. That's a cool code name. Come on, admit it. It is no. It's an awesome. It's, it's an awesome name. code name. You I just don't jealous see that you didn't think of it first. I'm not jealous. I'm like, why is there a reason to use fulcrum now? When the the original intention was to like provide secret intel on the Empire's dealings, and fulcrum was meant to keep like you know their identity safe. Uh, I remember Ahsoka was Fulcrum at one point. Uh, I'm going to jump in here and be a little, again, a little nerdy. Because in in the Star Wars lore that we know, they only have, um, they only have, like, like site-to-site or peer-to-peer or, or radio signal uh, communication technology that we know of at this point in, in, in small spaces like this. So... The fact that they're using codenames, I don't know, it's even even you know, and, and, and I'm kind of I'm kind of um Okay, I'm gonna I wanna stop my own theory here is because like even if they have like an encrypted channel or anything, there's no reason they for know it. Oh, that there's communications going on there's on the planet. Fulcrum. It was an I, alias. It was like it you know Fulcrum here. Okay. It was kinda like um Deep Throat throughout the Watergate scandal. The what? Deep Throat. North Watergate scandal, right? That was his name. I'm not wrong. You can look it up. I'm gonna look it up right now. I know very little about the the, the 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 Watergate scandal. Hang on, hang on. We might have to cut around here. 
I really hope because I do not want you on air saying deep throat. Hang on. Hang on. God, that you deep throat. Watergate is the pseudonym given to the secret informant who provided information in 1972 to Bob Woodward, who shared it with Carl Bernstein. We know uh, Woodward and Bernstein, they were the reporters for the Watergate scandal. So he was their informant. Right. Later found out to be Mark Felt. Yes. So that's kind of like... 1978? This was in, yeah, 1972. So, Fulcrum kind of serves the same purpose as Deep Throat, an informant. Uh, Hera already knows who Sabine is, so why is she still saying Fulcrum? Okay, that's all I'm saying. Okay, I feel like it's more just a fan service callback than anything. Okay. Um, anyway, the point is, uh, another note I had in here, Ahsoka tells Sabine that they might have to difficult, have to make the difficult call to destroy the map altogether. Okay, I I do want to touch on this, because I feel like this is a critical, um, not, not even smoking gun, plot like, like the plot point, that Ahsoka asks, she turns to Sabine and says, can I trust you? Mm-hmm. And Sabine turns and says, yes, you can. Yeah, of course you yeah, can. Yeah, totally. Totally. Which is not, which is not by any means an affirmation of confidence. Like, no. you know, you know that little thing you say to your friends, like, of course, of course. Yeah, you can totally trust right? Yeah. Buddy, I'm totally not gonna you know spend more than twenty dollars on your. What I do appreciate about Ahsoka is here that that she said you know you kind of look see the look on her face and she's like, Sabine. Anyway, we're gonna come to come back to that a little bit later. But it was in this conversation that Ahsoka said uh, we cannot let Thrawn take his place as heir to the Empire. Okay, okay, I was a little upset. We saw this in the trailer. You can't. Just keep using the phrase heir to the empire willy-nilly. Like, nobody talks like that anymore. Why shouldn't they? It's a classic call to Timothy Zahn. The only reason that we use the phrase heir to the empire is because of Timothy Zahn. But God bless the man. That, however, that is a fan service that I welcome. Absolutely. Because. But it's a fan service I welcome because I remember reading those books when I was in sixth grade. It's not just... Like, fan service for people who have watched Rebels, you know, something within the last 10 years. Like, that is, like, early, like, hard-earned fan service. So, I'm not that mad about it, honestly. Okay, however, I feel like the way that they did it in this episode, it was cheap. It was a straightforward, it was... How would you have done it? How would you have done it? We're not going to talk exactly. about it. Shut exactly. Shut your face. Because you okay. cannot get into the mind of no. Filoni. No, okay, okay. That's a huge undertaking right there. Now, would I have rewritten this a little differently? Absolutely. <laughs> However, we're not talking about that right now. Okay. Which is, instead of heir to the Empire, like the rightful... I do want to talk about the little piece of artwork on Sabine's armor. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see. So that. on her left pauldron, mm-hmm. on the on the on the left shoulder pad, there's a little um, it's a like a symbol of icon um, iconography. Um, and same initial thoughts. Yeah, uh, I think it was more when I first looked at it. Honestly, I think it might have just been like a one off on the part of production. I feel I was seeing a loth a loth cat. 
like from the side view, yeah. kind of like a callback yeah. to the really? old ghost group. Hey, Dave Filoni loves his little cat. He, oh, <laughs> we've talked about this. Yes, he loves his little cat. We've talked about this. Um, so I'm not entirely sure it could be completely meaningless, but that's all I'm thinking of. Okay, I, and, I, and, and I do appreciate the amount of original artwork that they've given Sabine over the course of Rebels and Ahsoka and... And you see on her right pauldron, there is the original Lobo. <laughs> there is the original Rebels logo. Oh, yes. The classic, um, which there's different origin stories on this. Originally, uh, in the video, video game series, um, The Force Unleashed, it mm. was the family crest of Starkiller's family. Uh, yes. Who came from, he was a descendant of Jedi's originally taken under the hand of Darth Vader, which there's a lot of other fan theories about that well, in this episode. We'll get, we'll get to Starkiller later. Later on in the Rebel series, they kind of made it more kind of a, a merging of Sabine's family crest, you know, along with, anyway, there's a long story with that. They do touch upon Sabine's family getting killed, uh, which her family kind of came to be major players, in, especially in the final season of Rebels. But most importantly, we got a cameo from an Oompa Loompa in this episode. None other than Jace, Jason Sindula Harrison. This episode is just the, just the, the, the breaking point for a lot of, of silent pet peeves. Okay, um, th there's one scene, there, there's there's scene co coming up um, around the, like, 20... Well, we'll get to that. I know which one you're talking about. Where, okay, so Hera finally breaks away from the um, the New Republic squadron. She breaks away um, from the, 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 the hangar. She grabs the original ghost yeah. um, ship, which is, which is fantastic. It was, it was a great, it was so nice to see it again in live action. Um, so she breaks away, and there's this great little scene with um, one of the the Carson Carson. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen the Mandalorian. It was it was a nice. Th this was one of the few little um, like actor callbacks, Easter eggs that you're like, okay, I welcome you back. At the same time, I'm surprised that she, you know, she's directly disobeying orders, which she says. Uh, I'm surprised that she was able to convince five other people to join her along in, along on this mission. Um, but it, at the same time, it was nice to see Carson. Uh, he was a great character in Mandalorian. I'm sure we're still going to see him in Mandalorian uh, as the years go on. Uh, her son, Jason, I'm pretty sure he gets a grand total of two lines in this entire episode. One of them we'll get to later. Um, oh, you know we're going to talk about uh, we talked about it a little bit in this episode. We were still in awe of Ahsoka's headpiece. But I couldn't help but think of the live-action iteration of Shakti in Revenge of the Sith in particular. Do you remember her? she had an entire uh, deleted sequence? It was in, it, that, That's where what made me sad. Was that was an entire deleted sequence. We could have seen it. It could have been in the movie, yeah. but it wasn't. Um, so she has an entire deleted sequence where she is murdered by General Grievous. And I took the liberty of pulling up a picture of how they uh, were able to bring her to live action at that time. And look, it's more close to how Ahsoka in particular is because they're the same species. Um, so I don't know if they still kept 
that what do you call these things? Well, I mean tendrils, but the, yeah, the specific. I can't think of. But it. they kept them shorter for live action. I'm sure for the sake of you know flexibility and agility. But okay, it's hard not to make the comparison there, because it, they it's really kind see. of hard seeing the um. If you if you start following the Star Wars chronology, that the Ahsoka in the ending of Star Wars Rebels is about Montrals, they're called two thirty three thirty four somewhere in there. Her 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 um Montrals is what Montrals are about. I don't know two three feet long. Yeah. Um, and then we cut back probably ten years later, where she's probably forty two forty three, and her her Montrals are. Oh, a little bit shorter. shorter. Yeah. Um, obviously, this may have simply been a production issue um, for a for a filming status. Like it was easier to handle them and deal with them. And easier for her to move around compared to Shock T um, in in Episode Three in the animated series and stuff where they were three four feet long. Yeah. Um, that would have been haphazard to have in live action. Lightsaber sequences. Yeah, let's be fair. And live action that episode three, Shakti is literally just sitting there. I understand it's a different game. It was just, in my opinion, a more satisfying uh, way to bring that to live action. Shakti is a major player in the Clone Wars animated series. One thing I really appreciated: uh, the lightsaber duel. Well, actually, uh, not just the one, but the one between all four key players. Uh, there was Ahsoka versus uh, Merrick, and then Sabine gets to have a rematch against Shin. There was a lot more tension in this battle than there was in the previous episodes. They were able to build it up. I want to highlight like more. This this act th- this fight scene had more tension than I feel like the last three episodes had combined. Um, and it was welcome. Absolutely. Um, there were a couple of cheesy moments, like when they're, they're running through the woods. I don't know where to. And then they show up and they, and they fall upon Merrick and Shin. Um, and there's this one. What, what, what does Shin say here? Oh, and they find them in the woods. And there's this big stare down and you're expecting, you know, this big bomb to drop. And again, it was, this was one of those moments where I was thinking, oh man, the dialogue in Andor was a hundred times better because they have a big stare down and all Shin says is going somewhere. I was like, that's Which, the best you okay, can do. I'm sorry. That's a Spider-Man line. Oh, that's that, the best that, you can that do. That is a cheesy that's, Marvel. Sam Raimi would have seen that and would be like, oh, oh my God. God yes. That's oh great. God. And however, so however, the, the lightsaber duels here. And okay, so so Sabine kind of heads off with with Shin into this epic, and 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 Sabine lets up Bianca. She starts off with blasters, mm-hmm. what she's comfortable with, and That's stuff. Mandalorian. Um, there's this super cheesy force throw move, which flings Sabine's helmet off, which to me is a pet peeve of mine in any of these animated sequences. If 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 Dave Filoni wants to see any emotion on anybody's character, we have to see their face, which means if they're wearing a helmet, they either have to take it off or it has to be flung from their head. Which I think is honestly insulting the intelligence of your audience at some point. Because, again, Sam Raimi, 
we can't have an emotional final Spider-Man battle unless he, you know, starts ripping his mask off. However, Mandalorian has proven that you don't need to unmask him so to feel the emotion you, that's coming from. That, again, if you have good script writer, good with good dialogue, yeah, it doesn't take facial, um, like the little nuances on the face to pick up on those emotions. Body language. There's so much of the body language that that you can see um, without just seeing the face. Well, then we... Yeah, go on. Um, So at this point, Ahsoka picks up the fight with with Merrick. And I, I do love the little nuances here. Again, with the body language, Merrick starts trying to like pick up on her on, on her fighting style and Ahsoka's having none of it. She kind of like deadpan freezes. Um at which point there's this weird fight fight sequence that uh, uh, Merrick explodes into a cloud of dust. Well so you know, that, that, was that, was not to a point. that so do we need to lie lay our theories about Merrick to rest? Like, is he gone for good? Is Lying. not Ezra? He is not Ezra. He just blew up into Listen, a cloud of, of green dust. You need to literally calm down. I do. So, I, there was another theory going around. There was another theory going around that Merrick was potentially Starkiller. Now, Starkiller, yeah. I read a couple of articles yeah. about this, and I feel like it's just too soon and too cheap for Disney to try to bring in Starkiller at this point because he is such there, there's so much character story and backline and 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 there's so much there well, Ahsoka just touch on Ahsoka defeats him pretty gracefully and the way that it happened so quickly I mean was Disney so aware of all these character was Disney so aware of all these side theories going around that they were just like <laughs> lol JK you guys are stupid. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Merrick again. I wouldn't be surprised, okay? Because remember in Obi-Wan when um, the Grand Inquisitor is murdered, I think like in the first episode, then comes back later on and says, whatever. The will to live, the whatever. is a powerful thing. (laughs) Remember how he likes doing that? Yeah. So they've done it before, they'll do it again. I would hope. I would hope that they would have learned from their mistakes. Anyway, as long as they make money. So moving on, mm-hmm. um, Balin. At this so- at this point, so Ahsoka quickly moves on from Merrick. She moves on back to the the um, fracture. Uh, what's it called? Not the fracture point. The um, I don't know. Go on. She finds Balin mm-hmm. at the map, and she, they begin this this kind of passive aggressive dialogue, which I. I did enjoy. And then they started this this lightsaber sequence, which I have to admit, I have not enjoyed as thoroughly as episode three. It was way more intense than I expected. It was one of the best lightsaber sequences we've seen Mm -hmm. in in quite a while. And he prefaced it by saying, oh, you know, Anakin, I think he said Anakin spoke highly of you. And she just says, oh, he never mentioned you. I mean, need, what a burden. I mean, neither has he been mentioned in any other series of Star Wars because he's being shoehorned in. But you know, what do I know? One thing that really, I'm sorry, but one thing that irritated me was when she says, because he's trying to troll her a little bit, and she says, "I'm not here to discuss my past. 
Well, neither is this show because we still haven't had the question answered of what is Ahsoka been doing this whole time? Where was she during the Battle of Endor? Where was she when Luke needed help? Why are you getting so defensive? Because this show has made it clear they are not here to answer any of those questions because that would actually satisfy fans this is true. as to knowing like, okay, but like where has she been? Because clearly she's kind of important and she seems like she could be soups helpful. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Production value. Production okay. value. This is what, what entertainment value you need to keep the fans coming um, back. And that is Disney's bottom line. Fans will come line. back if you answer their questions, which I don't understand because it's streaming service. We're paying for the service. We're going to watch whatever the crap they give us. So they might as well give us what we want. Anyway, I feel like that's a discussion for another time. Oh, no, let's have the discussion here. They have this epic lightsaber battle. It's a pretty good duel. Oh. And and, and, yeah. and there's this quick little cut back and forth between the Ahsoka ba- versus Balin and Shin versus Sabine. Mm-hmm. Which, at which point, Sabine eventually loses at her... Okay, there's a couple of moments with the Beskar armor that she deflects like shots like Wonder Woman off her gauntlets. A little cheesy, but it's fine. She eventually breaks out the lightsaber, which we know is originally Ezra's lightsaber that she's customized. So she faces off Sabine again, kind of this one-on-one, mono-e-mono battle style. And again, she loses. But I thought it was a nice touch for her to make good, like, you know, she's trying to use the lightsaber. She tried tapping into the Force, but she also is able to incorporate her Mandalorian skills into it and use those wrist rockets. Which, at this point, she doesn't. she's not a Force user. You know, and I, I think that can a lot of people can relate to. Um, if you were to try to go into a sword fight with a Master Swordsman, you would lose pretty quickly. You would use anything in your availability as a, as a Mandalorian. Wrist rockets, you already got them. You already know how to use them. Boom, dang, got them. Well, then it gets to a point where... Okay, okay, but Sabine here... I'm oh, just going to jump in here. Sabine you Or, uh... Sabine. Shin oh, uses yeah. the classic smoke bomb. Oh. And yes. runs away. Yeah. Well, then it gets to a point where Ahsoka is being held kind of back into a corner by Bailing, And Sabine has the star map. I think that's what it specifically is here. In her hand. Ahsoka wants to follow through on their discussion earlier saying, hey, it's not worth it to find Ezra if it means bringing Thrawn back into power. So Ahsoka is telling her, Sabine, you're better off destroying it. But Sabine, the whole reason she came along with Ahsoka to be this is a critical plot point. So so it's to find Ezra. Morgan is mapping, mapping the the maps, um, specific specific paths and stuff locations and, 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 and points of data. Yeah. And at this point, Ahsoka manually, like she grabs the map and there's this weird, like it burns her hand. I don't know. What about this That's map? That's a powerful thing. It's, it's hot. It's temperature wise. It burns her. There's this dramatic scene with Sabine and she's like pointing the gun at it. And Ahsoka says, take it out. Yeah. And you see and I have to admit, this whole section is so tense. It's it's again so watching it is tense. engaging, and and Sabine is holding you know uh, uh, the gun against the head of the universe, and the Ahsoka says, "Do it." 
and you see the hesitation in Sabine. And that's enough. And Balin picks up on that. And he knows, as long as I get rid of Ahsoka, Sabine is mine. And you see that whole section play out. Knocks Ahsoka right off. Balin kicks Ahsoka off into the off an edge of a cliff into the sea. Sabine tries to hold some form of, of, of threat and like, I got you. And and Balin pulling his, you know, classic um Sith kind of reasoning. Manipulation. Manipulation. Yeah. We can both guess what we completely manipulate. Yeah. Her. And unfortunately, Sabine just ends up getting captured. She just, oh my god. Because unfortunately, her motives, absolutely. Her motives in coming along just weren't in the right place. Let's let's face it, she was not in this to stop Thrawn. She wasn't in this for the big picture. She was just in it to find Ezra. And I think Bailey even says, Ezra is, you know, the last person that you consider to be. Which, there's a little hint here. He he says that Ezra is the only family you have left. Which, Correct me if I'm wrong here, Sam. Um, in the end of Rebels, Sabine family was alive. They and were well. alive and well. They assisted with, uh, I think it was like the battle at Lothal. Or I don't know if they had, they had a direct hand just before that. But apparently, and we were both curious. We were kind of like, wait, what? Because he said, because of your master, your family died. And... Yeah, or you lost your family. I don't know. I have to go back and like replay exactly how he worded it. But at some point, Sabine lost her family, and she feels that Ezra is the only family she has left. So she gets captured, and I was saying... Okay, captured is a relative word here. Mm-hmm. She is a willing... Prisoner? Victim? Uh, well, he says... Balin says to her, come with me willingly. Non-compliant um, cohort? I... I a prisoner. A prisoner, Dave. A prisoner. She is, I don't know, man. She gave him the map, and then she's, like, chilling with him. I do want to mention, uh, so they, she gets, for lack of a better word, she does get captured. Uh, Hera uh, is realizing that Morgan is close to finding that exact location and about to make the jump to hyperspace. It creates this huge ripple effect. Which takes out one of her, or maybe a few of her own fighters that she had brought along with her. Okay, so so Morgan at this point is able to complete the star map. She's able to finish out not, not just the galaxy map, but the universe map. Um, they boot up the Eye of, Eye of Scion in for a, not just intergalactic jump, but an inner universe jump. Um and it's at right at that at that moment that Hera and her five her six, five yeah uh, five other X wing um, escorts are yeah. able the to Phoenix drive. Squadron yeah um, what's the guy's name Collins Carson Carson is able to you know he's like all right guys you know pop over an F you know S wing uh, coils like we're gonna go into attack mode um, and at that second like the Eye of Scion just jumps yeah. And blows, and and I do have to enjoy. We've never seen this before in any live action film before, even in any of the animated se- sequences before. Is the is the hyperspace jump sequence blows past the ships, and there's this kind of like wind ripple effect, which obviously in space which is not a thing. I don't think we've ever seen. Before. We're not going to talk about 
I get into the, uh, it blows past their ships. It, it kills off two or three of the, um, kind of, a good chunk of her squadron. Um, ships that Mm -hmm. you knew were side characters. Of course, squad, uh, and her son and, uh, Carson. Carson and one other X-Wing to watch their trail. And, the space. and what does her son say about a nice line of fan service? I've got a bad feeling. He doesn't say about this. It's like, I have a bad feeling about this. He just says, Mom. <laughs> and she just looks at him like, what? And then he says, I, I've got a bad feeling. Were you just doing oh, I was. the voice? Oh, I was doing the voice. But were again, you, were you just doing the quote? The, the, the Jennifer Coolidge, of course. The, the, oh, God. Oh, God, what, son? Oh, God. He's like, Mom, I've got a bad feeling. She's like, about what? And he doesn't say, about this. <laughs> it's just like, you know, just life in general. But, you know, it's, you know, you, you can't have a piece of Star Wars media without having that line incorporated. You do, but this and that cheaply... I don't think it's that early. We're already halfway through the series, but we really need to get to the big thing, which is okay. the learned, last, like, minute of this episode. If I have learned anything from Mandalorian, it is to temper your expectations for plotline. Ah. So, for your jets, however... This episode delivered because at the last, I don't know, two minutes? No, like minute. Minute? It cuts to Ahsoka. Because early, you gotta remember, like an hour ago, she fell off the side of a cliff fighting uh, Bagelin. And I say correctly, I thought she was gonna jump back up and save the day at the last minute. Disappeared. Absolutely disappeared. And we never heard from her again. At this point, there's a cut to Ahsoka. Sitting on on this light bridge, she is in none other than the world between worlds. And you're like, what the hey? Wow, okay. So that's cool. There's a couple of seconds of like, what's going on? And she then, oh my lord, we you hear a familiar voice saying, hello, Snips, which is... Only one person in the history of ever called her that. Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker. Can we? I, and that. I'm sorry. That moment of hey snips. She turns around and she sees CGI Hayden Christensen hey. saying, "Oh God, hey. you've got your Clone Wars hairdo." CGI. Oh, it's it's, it's a, no, to be yeah. fair. This is the this is the Anakin that we know and love from the Clone Wars, like the costume, the the, the animation, everything. This is this is the one we know from season six. Uh, see, yeah, of Clone Wars, yeah. I'm curious. I mean, they definitely de-aged him. Ah, oh, CGI. I mean, they didn't take that route uh, for the Obi Wan series, which you know, good for them. Here, maybe they felt they had no choice. Now I'm just curious, like, okay, so now what? Like, what is, is he going to be teaching her, like, how to get back to the real world? I'm not sure. I thought we were going to be seeing Hayden Christensen just in flashbacks. You know. Throughout this series. So this was actually a delightful little twist. I'm a, I'm a, well, to be honest, I'm a little confused. Because in the original series, 
to be able to commune with the world between worlds, it took a little more than falling off the face of a cliff. I'm not sure how she entered that, like, through her subconscious, because Ezra was able to enter the world between worlds, but it was a long process. Initially, he needed both a master and an apprentice to enter this temple. Uh, he was barely... He was barely able to figure out how to get in he without Kanan. Ahsoka just gets knocked out. And she's, I, you know, I don't want to get hung up on the how. I'm just curious more as to the what. Where is this leading? Um, how is Anakin going to come into play? You know, hopefully this is just more than fan service. But what are your overall thoughts, Dave? <laughs> There's a lot to go on. So, so, so much. All of them. Because you gotta remember, the last episode laid, laid such a great, um, like, setup for the manhunt and the setup and the search and the fight. And they, uh, honestly, they jumped right into it. They were like, boom, we found the Jedi. We're gonna fight him and stuff. There was this great fight sequence with Hu Yang. Um, I loved the unity that, um, oh, Oh my lord, how did we not talk about what? There was the sequence with Ahsoka and Sabine where they were about to leave the ship. Uh, it was that awkward, like right before the awkward running in the woods sequence that Hu Yang turns and says, please work together. And there's this funny little like sarcastic quip like, yeah, sure, whatever, man. And Sabine and Hu Yang's like, mm -hmm, no, please, no, seriously, like do it. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, and then there's this, and again, it's the script writing. It, it felt, it felt kind of forced, like, Hey, we're just going to run off in one direction and start, and we're going to find, um, the Sith, the, the Sith Inquisitors. Never seen two droids get into a fist fight with each other until that was, oh, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty dope. Um, the, the lightsaber fight sequence in this made up for so much. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to lie. The, the tension, and you were there for it. I, I was shouting. I was really there. The tension in this episode was probably the, the best that we've seen in, in the entire series thus far. Um, so overall, I have a lot of questions, uh, especially with the scene with Merrick. Right. Where Ahsoka defeats Merrick and he just evaporates Trumps. in a cloud of dust. What the heck, man? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. I'm I'm very intrigued at seeing what happens to Merrick in, in, in the following episode. You mean Ezra? <laughs> I'm the following sequence with 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 Anakin in the world between worlds with Ahsoka. Yeah. Um, at this point, the Eye of Scion is gone. And you gotta remember with, with, um, Hera and her son and Ahsoka and Sabine, there is no way to be able to follow because the Eye of Scion obviously took, um, it's this, you know, big dumb object, the, the, the kind of, um, OBD that just, shoots off in the space and disappears. There's no way for them to be able to follow. So they're gone. So for so Ezra gone. or Theron, you, they either have to come back mm. or, or I don't know, it's, or um, 
honestly, I think the Purgle are going to play Purgle. at some point with Ahsoka. Because we did see them before. There's been so much hinting at them. But at this point in the, in, in the, in the storytelling, uh, with Anakin now in the world between worlds, there's no telling what's going to happen in the next episode. Which, as a viewer, I absolutely love. Because there is no way to know what's going to happen next. But there is 110% investment into watching the next episode to find out. I understand what you're saying. However. No, I, you know, it's a fine line with fan service. It's a love-hate relationship. It makes it, like, I think Star Wars Episode Nine. Rise of Skywalker might as well have been entitled Star Wars Episode Nine Fan Service because it was just trying to do this massive overcorrection of everything. And I, this episode was, there was a lot of fan service in this episode, which I mean, who doesn't secretly love it? Yes. Okay. You got Hayden Christensen. You've got Hayden Christensen. You've got the, I've got a bad feeling about this too. There was a, hang on. I'm looking at my notes. Uh, heir to the Empire. Oh, okay. Three. There was, yeah, there was, no, those are series. three big instances of fan service. It was. You it gotta was. walk that fine line. It's it was, not that I don't like it. It's like, at what point is the point, is the plot organic versus just being fueled by fan service? I'm not saying they can't agree, do it agree. right, but okay, so now we're in World Between Worlds. Now what? Is it basically just going to be a repeat of that big episode in Rebels? I don't know. I am cautiously optimistic. I think this was a massive improvement upon the previous episode, personally. Uh, previous episode, I feel like, was more just kind of set up, a lot of plot devices. Um, but we'll have to see what happens. I yeah, feel like Hera was kind of relegated to just this arbitrary, you know, I have to disobey my orders and go on this rescue mission thing. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm, you know, I, honestly looking at the time, um, yes. just checking in the last and, and okay. You've gotten mad at me for this in, in the, in, in today, actually. So I, I've been reading a lot of, um, fan theories, of course you have web articles about this, um, series. And, you know, the funny thing is Google, uh, you know, has finally picked up on the algorithm of me reading about these fan services. Um, and the idea of the whole, of the whole idea of finding the map has really, I feel like stunted the first three episodes because the whole, the whole premise of the past three episodes has been about finding the map. What Whereas the MacGuffin as the, 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 the literary, yeah. you know, movie literary plot device is, yeah. is it's the device that propels the, the movie's plot forward, but nobody cares about. No, and a lot of, a lot of TV shows have fallen into this trap. I think of Once Upon a Time. Uh, I don't think you've watched it, but a lot of their episodes are just fueled by, we have to find X object. Everything depends on it. And it's just, arbitrary it's forced it's contrived and for that for this series so far that has been the map like you said well and unfortunately i feel like this series in the initial episodes has kind of followed suit with that like oh we have to find the map we have to find the map find ezra but the plot has not progressed with the characters to find the map right this was the first episode that kind of broke away from that because it, it kind of followed, and I don't know if you touched on it, 
once Morgan found, like, they recorded the map, the, the, the universe kind of, like, locations and everything, Baylorn destroys the map mm. using oh, his right. lightsaber yeah. for an awkwardly long time Very awkwardly. with a lightsaber, which typically kind of, like, cuts things in two. Um, he kind of, like, holds it there for, like, 30 seconds until it's it... Kind of a temper tantrum. Kind of falls apart. Um, which I don't know if it was lightsaber resistant or what, but there, I'm sure there's going to be some fan theories on that. But I will say, I know that I had complained, I think the last episode that I was just waiting for the plot to actually start and I stand corrected. It seems that the plot has actually begun here, even though we still haven't seen Thrawn or Ezra, uh, things are starting to happen. So I think overall, we're moving in the right direction. Do I have nitpicks? Of course I do. I always Absolutely. will. But overall... I feel like the focus in this episode has shifted yeah. from kind of the map yeah. to Ahsoka and Sabine are finally working together. Yeah. Um, Morgan and, and Shin and Baylor are off. They're, they're in another galaxy, literally in another universe. Um... I'm excited for the next episode. I'm excited. Things are starting to take shape. Things are starting to take shape. Those were our thoughts. Uh, We'd love to hear what you guys thought of this episode. And we are most certainly going to tune in to see what happens next week. Absolutely. I'm I'm more than happy to hear your arguments and argue with them. I mean, your thoughts and opinions. (laughs) Listen to them empathetically and, and really consider them. And then... And then argue that. And then argue that. Yeah. And of course, we want you to vent about your week as well. And hopefully you didn't get any sunscreen in your eyes either. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for commiserating with us. We look forward to uh, hanging out with you again next week. And we'll see you then.